0: Okay, great. So we're doing this a little bit differently today. We're on Facebook Live and we're recording a podcast. Um, uh, Tina Lundquist-Faust, co-president of Houston Pet Set, and we're here with Claire Goodman of the Houston Chronicle. And Tama, yep. I'm here, of course, <laughs> Tama Lundquist, also co-president of Houston Pet Set. We're so glad you're here, Claire, and we're so glad um, to talk about the work that you've been doing in the community through the Houston Chronicle. So um Yeah. You recently did a story for us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We just ended a legislative season um, in Austin. And so you were, um, did a really important story about um, a pet store there. Do you want to expand on that a little?
1: Yeah. So um, we have in Katy, we have, um, you're talking about the the pet pet pet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have a, 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 I call it a puppy retailer because there's a difference between that and a pet store. Good for you. Um, and uh, it, it made the uh, illustrious uh, Horrible 100 list from the Humane Society of the U.S. Mm-hmm. for having sourced its its animals from puppy mills. Um, and, you know, as an animal lover myself, it obviously was very upsetting. Um, but I felt like, you know, people needed to know this too. They need to know where these animals are coming from, especially because we do have so many amazing rescues, you right. know, in, in this, in everywhere, but especially in this region. Um, so I... You know, I spoke with um, I spoke with you guys and you, you talked about, you know, the I think it was uh, House Bill 1818. Am I remembering that correctly? Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, I, I wanted to present the factual information out there about puppy mills and that, you know, they're very much we like to think they don't exist, but they do. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's almost um, as you dig into it, it's almost a form of and this is my opinion, organized crime. Mm -hmm. I'm reading a really interesting book on it, and that's a whole other topic. But you're so right. Um, These puppy, or these, as you call them, puppy, what do you call them? Puppy Puppy retailers. Puppy retailers um, could easily source their animals from the 100,000 animals that we euthanize every year in the state. So it just doesn't make sense to be breeding animals and shipping them into Texas when we're euthanizing them. Um, on the same day. So I'm so glad you wrote... We're so glad that you wrote that story. It was very important. Well, thank you. But you've written a lot of good stories for the Chronicle on animals. Do you focus just on animals or are there other topics you cover?
1: Well... You know, animals are a passion of mine. And so I'm naturally drawn to those stories. And I'm very, very fortunate to work for um, a newspaper that supports that. And they they trust me to find the stories and and to tell them the right way. And uh, it can be difficult at times. I'm not going to lie to to be unbiased in the way I report because I'm so biased in actuality. <laughs> um, but, you know, I can't. That's not my job. So um, what I do, I uh, I, I kind of keep my ear to the ground for stories that I hate writing about them. But the cruelty stories that I know can have an impact in the community if I if I tell them properly, um, do the research on them. And hope that in some way it brings some justice to to these animals, but Mm -hmm. also um, just an awareness. I mean, I think it's easy to block out if you don't Mm -hmm. if you're not aware that it's happening. So, right.
0: I think that we see in Houston and in Texas um, sort of this whole culture where the animals are not revered the way they are in other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. And I think that contributes a lot to some of the issues, and you know, you could d- divide the issues between homelessness, cruelty, the, the puppy mills, um, you know, um, the cultures that, that people are raising these animals in. But I think that we look at animals here in Houston now in a way that they are almost a nuisance because there's so many of them. We don't, but a lot of people mm-hmm. do because there's so many of them. If we had those populations under control, would the animals be valued? more, you know, Mm -hmm. would, would they, would you see a dog on the street and want to rescue it versus, oh, there's a, there's a dog, let's shoot at it. Because Mm -hmm. we know a lot of the cruelty cases are people just protecting their families, protecting their children um, from the packs of dogs and and the stray dogs running on our streets. So have you ever looked at other cities or been in other cities and do you have a comparison about Houston to other cities and what you've seen?
1: Yes. And I, and I think especially one of the reasons that I love this organization is that you guys are so acutely aware of that, that there's actually cities, especially in the north, that will say, oh, we don't have enough animals mm-hmm. to adopt. Yeah. And, and you don't you, you, it, you can't even conceive of that being right. from Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's definitely the case. There's very much a different culture, like you said. I mean, it, it, it's almost like supply and demand on my head. It really is. And, and if, you know, the, if you have fewer animals, you can be, there's a better selection pool of good mm. owners who's, right. who are going to take care of yeah. them. Right.
0: Um,
1: but, uh, we, we had kind of mentioned before, um, a story that I did about, um, a kind of a cruelty case. And it sort of, I think ties into that, um, talking about, have the ease of get people getting pets. I mean, this guy that I, I found on one of my arrest reports was adopting, you know, a, a new kitten every couple months and from different rescues, you know, nobody knew and, um, severely torturing them. And it's, it's, yeah, oh, it's horrible. Yeah. And, and oh, wow. you, you kind of have to wonder like, was this in, in, I'm sorry, in, what?
0: in, um, Fort Bend County. Yes. 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 I did read that it was a great story oh yeah
1: yeah yeah, thank you yeah um so i just kind of wonder if if maybe if we didn't have so many animals if we'd be able to be more vigilant that's what i wonder too i
0: wasn't i wasn't saying that you know it it contributes to it but Mm -hmm. it seems to contribute to it like Mm -hmm. the ease of getting animals absolutely you know and we always talk about those five dollar adoptions too it sounds good in theory let's get the animals let's move them into homes but if you say a dog is worth five dollars you're, you're really saying it's only worth $5. Yeah. And in the North, they're saying, oh, we're taking these animals from the South, and we're adopting them out for 500 a 800 $1,000. They have more value up there, you know, and I think that makes a difference. When you look at this as a holistic problem, not just, you know, in in those categories of trying to move animals. So
1: yeah, and I remember the first time I fostered for you guys, you know, of course, you know, when you, when you turn those those animals over it's it's heartbreaking you know heartbreaking. but but i said you know I, jokingly because i knew they were going to be going to a good home but i said just make sure they go to a good home yeah. and the volunteer said every home is a good home where they're going yeah and that's that really just struck it's like they're going somewhere where mm-hmm. you can be picky about who you're adopting to because you know like we said supply and demand so yeah
0: it is it yeah. comes down to economics unfortunately but mm-hmm. it is it is the way it is um so do you do other stories outside of animal stories? Do you what is your kind of focus with the chronicle?
1: <laughs> well I, I mostly cover it's mostly regional. Mm-hmm. I cover uh, West Houston, Fort Bend County, um in Katy and that just general area. Right. But I, I it's also kind of like if you catch it, you keep it kind of right. with these stories. Um so I I mean I cover everything from from city council to um, you know, current events and um legislation when one of our local representatives is working on a bill. Mm-hmm. Um it, it's just kind of whatever, I, like I said, I'm very fortunate that they trust me to pick up a story and go with it in, in various different um, topics and arenas and things like that.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah, Unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be a shortage of of animal stories in in this region.
1: <laughs> no, I wish, I wish they were all, uh, you know, I could write about you know, this and we do get some happy stories mm-hmm. that make the news. Like there was a actually out of Katie, um, animal control. There was a dog that got, um, that the police chief was like, this, this would be a great, you know, drug sniffing dog. Yeah. And, um, Texas, um, the DPS actually is, is now in training to be oh, a, wow. yeah, wow. to be a canine officer. This, this rescue dog that was pulled off the street. So we do have those mm. good stories. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make it sound like everything I do is sad, but, um, but well, one thing that does kind of give me hope, you know, when I write these stories is the reaction that they get. Yeah, I've had mm-hmm. some of them go viral. Mm-hmm. Um I get, you know, the comment section, usually we say as, you know, writers don't read the comment section, but but it's wonderful. People say, right. you know, oh this is horrible that this is happening and um what can we do and um so in, in that way, even these sad situations do have some something of a silver lining, I think. You're
0: right. (laughs) There is a population that truly does care, Mm -hmm. and we see it every day because, you know, as um, people in animal welfare that um, see sad cases all the time, our phones never stop. Jill, Tama, anybody, we get um, calls for help continuously, and it can weigh on you. Mm -hmm. And for our rescue groups, it really weighs on them. We can see the compassion fatigue fatigue. Um, We have rescuers in and out of the hospital from exhaustion, high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, we know what they sacrifice. And in our organization, we have to step back and say, wow, but what about all the people doing really important work? You know, it's not just bad because we have 70 plus animal um, welfare partners in this community. And then the people that work with them, their volunteers, we know that it's in the tens of thousands um, and we have to remember that um, a lot of people do care. We just need more of the population, back to your earlier statement, aware mm-hmm. of what's, we need the yeah. right populations aware of what's going on. Lots of times even our um, our uh, legislators, our city council members are unaware of what's happening in other parts of the city. So I was going to say that mm-hmm. the stakeholders need to be aware. Yeah. People who care about Houston, because even if you don't like animals, you have to look at this as as a city and county problem. Mm -hmm. If we have major industries moving into Houston and surrounding areas, um, we can't have these quality of life issues that animals we now know that the, the the homeless animals affect quality of life, public safety, public health. You can't have that. You can't have economic development and keep kicking this can because it's going to catch up to Houston at some point. So if you care about this city, you've got to care about this problem. As Dr. Kleinberg from the Kinder Institute and Rice University so aptly put it, if you care about Houston, you've got to address this issue. And so we now see more stakeholders addressing this issue, but we need more. And so we're so grateful to you, Claire, for writing these stories, because as sad as they are, or as happy as they are, that is getting this issue into the community. And Mm -hmm. that's what's so important.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. you. And and I I appreciate that. And um, yeah, you know, like I said, I try to one of the things that I try to do is to be unbiased in my reporting so that those people who are not animal lovers, it will still resonate with them. Um, Because sometimes it can be hard to you just want to get in, you know, get behind the computer and say, how can you do this? How can you there's so many dogs that need homes? Why are you buying them? You know, and kind of but then you have to realize that you have to reach every, per- you have to yes. talk to, you know, the people who maybe are not bleeding animal heart lovers, but still need to see that this is a problem that mm-hmm. needs to be addressed, mm-hmm. you know, from a logistical perspective, if nothing else. Yeah, so, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So yeah. that's one of the things I try to do. Oh, well, you do it well. Thank, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Jill has something she needs <laughs> well, to be on. Um... Claire, I know I follow you on Instagram, oh. so I know that your kids are really involved in the foster experience. Oh, so that's yes. foster! Like, your family's oh, experience so fostering sweet. for Houston Pets at how you got involved, how you even learned about us, mm-hmm. and um, I know you started with dogs, and you guys are having some construction done to your house, so now you're onto kitties. So yeah, you to hear about <laughs> the whole kind of experience. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's it's great, and I think um, you know, my just my approach to parenting this this it's like a parenting tool in addition mm-hmm. to, you know, loving animals. Uh, because I think one of the best ways I can teach my son's compassion is by making it very hands-on. You know, I can say, you know, guys, like animals out there are dying and they're like, "Wow, well, that's sad. But I'm like, no, let's go pick one up mm-hmm. and, and take care of it and then see yeah. to it that this animal goes to a loving home and get them involved. Um, and I have to say, there have been times where, um, and, and not, you know, through, through this rescue, but with other rescues I've taken on a very, very sick, a sick dog and who had a lot of problems. And I thought, what am I doing exposing my kids to this? But I was just amazed. Like my son, when he he was eight, was, you know, hand feeding this dog that was too oh. sick to walk. And I realized like, this is just, Fire. you know, so these, these uh, it's, a, I think it's a great experience. They have a ton of fun with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they come home from school and they're like, we want to go see the kittens, you know, and they just run up there and just lay down and there's kittens all over them and um and we we fostered puppies before but i'm having a um yeah some construction in my backyard and as with my three personal dogs and then puppies i was like i can't walk this many animals (laughs) so um but and and i gotta say i really think that's something great that you guys do and, and why i chose uh houston pet set uh is because you really are able to work around that like whatever your weird life situation is it's like okay I've got my backyards torn up but I'll take a cat and um there's a lot of whatever you can offer you can be helping an animal I think that's such a great point mm -hmm.
0: it's such a great point and I'm glad you
1: brought that up Jill because
0: yeah there are so many people out there that have maybe these excuse not excuses but reasons Mm -hmm. you know why fostering doesn't seem to work for them but if they could for two weeks take an animal into their home, they could save the life of that animal, and 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 then make room for another animal to come off the streets into the into the program. Right. So, yeah. yeah, everybody can help in a in their own certain way. Well, and it really contributes to the success of our transport program. You know, mm-hmm. to date, we've transported what more than six thousand animals out of Houston to the northern states. And although we're not, we never technically wanted to be in transport. It just came about by necessity. It's either these animals get euthanized or they get moved to a different place. So we can't do the transports without fosters like you. That's why we're continually asking for more fosters. And with our transport program, there is kind of an end in sight because the animal is scheduled to leave Um, before um, it's placed. So we usually have that animal scheduled to leave at a a certain time so the foster knows how long that they'll have the animal. But fostering is a really rewarding experience. We've all done it, Mm -hmm. we all have crazy lives, but there's nothing like taking an animal that you know had no other possibilities other than you probably. And then putting it on a bus or a car or a van and knowing that it's going to a much better home. And there are so many life lessons involved with that. And speaking of those life lessons, sorry, no, no, go ahead. I, I was just going to go back to educating your children mm-hmm. and that what, how important that is in, in your household and for those kids. And we know. Um, from a very high level in order to solve this problem, education needs to be one of the components yeah. that we focus on. Mm-hmm. So teaching the younger generations and undoing some of the cultural cultural norms that they might have or have experienced by living in a city that doesn't manage its its stray population. You know, we know that there are children afraid of of dogs and cats because they've lived their whole lives running to school and trying to avoid the packs of dogs. And mm. so for, for the right reasons, they... They should be afraid. But on the other side, like you're doing, you bring a dog into your home, you realize that they can be so loving. You realize that um, there's that unconditional love. And the lessons I raised my child with with um, shelter dog or um, stray dogs, you know, and and I, those lessons you can't. You can't tell them to a child. You can't give them a book about it. I think that hands-on experience is some of the best experience that you can give to children in responsibility. Have they been fed? Have they been walked? Mm -hmm. They have feelings. uh, We need to care for these animals. We domesticated them. It's up to us to care for them. We cannot leave them unattended the way that they have been. So in Houston, that's a very big message that we're trying to get out into the education system through some wonderful partners like healing species and Barrio dogs. But hats, hats off to you for oh. recognizing that in your family too. Mm-hmm. And thanks. And with your, your kids. Yeah.
1: Um. Oh, and, and I appreciate that. And and kind of something else I, that we were kind of mentioning that um, I came back to was uh, you had talked about the sheer volume of animals you mm-hmm. move. I think that that's one thing that's great about this rescue because you can be, I want to say choosy about the animal you foster. For example, my my biggest German shepherd is very aggressive with other adult dogs, but she's cool with puppies. Wow. So you guys worked with with me. Mm-hmm. I said, this is my situation. You know, I love this dog with all my heart, but she's mean, but, <laughs> <laughs> but she's cool with puppies. And so I got puppies, you know, and, and it's, you have your pick of the litter, I guess, <laughs> right. to make a pun with what, what animals you can foster through you guys. So,
0: well, I think we all have crazy life situations. So we understand that, you know, what it takes to um, to make our fosters, make this a good experience for our fosters. The last thing we want to do is create situations where you have strife or anxiety in your home. And um, yeah, it's 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 great that um, that um, we have so many different kinds of fosters that are able to do this. But we need so many more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We truly we get asked every day. Can you take this Mm -hmm. animal? And if we had a foster for them, more than likely we could take them and eventually schedule them for transport. But it really is a bottleneck in the city um, and in the whole rescue community, the lack of fosters. We're grateful for everybody that does, but we need far, far more. And so I guess this is a shout out to anybody listening. If you're interested in fostering, um, there you can do it through Houston Pet Set. You can reach out to us. And we can refer you to other organizations. We're never competing with other groups. We're mm-hmm. here to collaborate and all work together um, for the better of this this community. Is that another story, Claire Foster?
1: You know, it's funny you say that. because I we, mean, just work it in. <laughs> we wrote about it, especially during the pandemic, to yes, try to get you people did. to... She uh, yep. you know, that's an interesting point. Maybe I should do kind of just a post-pandemic hey we still we still need help guys well we do because
0: a lot of people that adopted during the pandemic are now getting back to work and they're saying oh this dog doesn't fit into my lifestyle anymore so we see a lot of dogs coming back which is unfortunate and so yeah and these dogs are they went from the streets to maybe a shelter a rescue into a forever and loving home they thought and now what what do you do? You know, yeah. if they get turned into a shelter, if a shelter will take them, it's a good chance they're going to be euthanized. It's just, uh, you hate to see animals suffer their whole lives, especially you covering some of the um, the neglect and abuse and, and, and um, some of those cases that HPD and the task force see. But you hate to see them suffering their whole lives only to be euthanized. I mean, can they not have yeah. a good month, a good year, a good decade? I mean... It, it makes me that's one of the saddest situations I think that we've come across is knowing that some of those animals don't get that good day. But with the foster, you know, they they, they have that chance. So
1: it, it's funny you say that. I was thinking about this kind of earlier. Um, there's a gift in fostering an animal that hasn't experienced human love as tragic as it is. But to be able to say, you know, I'm I'm the first person who loved this animal in the way that it deserved to be loved Um, and, and I wish every, every animal came out of the womb and looked right into the face of a loving human. Mm -hmm. And that was at the end of that story. But, um, sometimes, you know, you're going to be the first human who loved that, um, loved that animal. And there's, there's a beauty in that. And even if it is as a foster and knowing that you go on to give that animal to the second person who's going to love it forever, but being a part of that story, that journey, people say, don't you get attached? And I say, yeah, but I should. Yeah. You know, they right. deserve that. They deserve right. someone exactly. to get so attached that they cry when yeah. they drop them so off. Unselfish. So, it's, um, so yeah. it's yeah. the
0: least selfish thing that people can do, you know, because you know going into it that you're going to have to give up that animal. And we've all ugly cried at transport or at, um, when, oh, yeah. When an, <laughs> <laughs> that I usually funny. have my mom come with me. I'm like, you've got to come with me because I'm going to ugly cry. But uh-huh. it's so difficult. And, yeah. you know, like you said, um, knowing that you're the first one to ever show that animal compassion, our Benjamin, who just would quiver in the back of his, his crate. And he was a known street dog for six or seven years. had never known you reach out to touch him and he would just cower, you know, but he had to trust me because he couldn't walk. He was, he had a shattered ankle and a broken hip and he had no choice, but to let me pick him up, carry him in and out. And that is, um, and, and to see him now coming out of his shell on a daily basis. And now he sits at the window and barks to let me know someone's. He's got a job. He's got a purpose. And this was the most disposable dog ever, you know, yeah. just discarded. I was going um, to say, we I think we all and yeah. you uh, all have experienced Jill Jill that. Jill, that. for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Being that first person that they love. Because you bring up such a good point. They are, some of these dogs are born on the streets. Mm-hmm. They live on the streets. They survive. They don't thrive. They scratch every day to keep their lives, to find food, to find water, not to get shot at, not to get picked up as a bait dog, not to get hit by a car. And then you come along like we all have, and you are the first person that they get to love You're so right. What a gift that is. What a gift that is. I have my sonny in my house, and every day I tell him, I go out the door, and he's like this, and I know he's like, "Don't go," and I'm like, "Going to get your pals. You know, you got you got brothers out there that need my help, and that's what I'm doing." And he's a he's a constant reminder of the other ones that are still out there, just like him, that are so loving and so valuable, but yet they
1: haven't been discovered yet, or or they haven't been they haven't been saved yet. So such a great point my favorite a picture of my son one of my favorites is he was probably about two and we had um one of my dogs that was a rescue was it had been an owner surrender they'd actually asked this dog to be euthanized and um but there's a picture of him he's this tiny little thing and he's got his arms wrapped around her neck and her paw is about the size of his whole head but she has it just on him and you can just tell the look on her face this is like this is the first time that a child had ever just done that you know I love you dog and and you get to see it on her face and there's it's I have that moment frozen in time on my wall forever because it was beautiful yeah it's a gift they
0: give they give so much to us Mm -hmm. and ask for so little in return so Mm -hmm. little and Yeah. yeah best thing. investment you can make yeah i say <laughs> <laughs> Claire,
1: where can people follow you if they want to keep up with your stories and they want to keep up with your fostering adventures and all that oh yeah no, rebecca. thank you <laughs> <laughs> so what, sorry. Say, whatever. you'll have tr- you'll have trouble finding me if you, if you search rebecca i will you know say is she, rebecca, is yes I know. I, know. I know are you talking about rebecca hennes yeah yes yeah. yeah, <laughs> yes yeah, and yeah she's just like uh she's one of these bleeding hearts you know yeah. but um Yeah, uh, so uh, you can just look for me on uh, HoustonChronicle.com. Just search my name, Claire Goodman. That's probably one of the the best Mm -hmm. ways because I'm always adding stuff. Um, I'm also, uh, I'm on Facebook, Claire Goodman and uh, Instagram, CEGoodman10. I need to be better about updating it <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, it's a, am just, I'm lazy about that. I guess I'm spending all my time Fostering. pulling, <laughs> pulling <Yeah>. kitties <laughs> off. the no, you, <laughs> street. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but Oh, and one thing just, just to circle back, sorry, my brain's going a million miles an hour, but you had asked how I found out about yeah. um, the need for fosters and I found it on Instagram. You guys um, put out a plea and I said, good job. Jill." Oh, Yay, yes. Jill. Yes. Thank you, Jill. You, you put it out there. And Yay, so, Jill. um, that's another thing you know, if, if people want to check out, you know, your Instagram and see, um, mm-hmm what you guys, the need. And, and if nothing else, just be aware of how much it's every day. Like you said before, every day we have a new animal. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the stories you write. To yeah. Thank you for continuing to raise awareness around this issue and especially for elevating the status of animals in our city, and our community. It's, it's um, immeasurable what you do and we're oh, grateful. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you.